Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast where two licensed professional counselors and approved EMDR consultants discuss the latest research and resources for trauma treatment and EMDR therapy. share the story of my experience with ego state work in my own personal healing journey. It was a profound turning point for me, and I believe it's an essential part of healing for many people. So a little bit of history. In the religious culture I grew up in, there was a lot of focus on the idea of sinful flesh, which basically meant that anything your body naturally enjoys or wants is probably a bad idea. It came with this constant threat that your body, your naturalness, your humanness was always trying to corrupt your eternal soul. For me, this manifested as an internal civil war of my body versus my mind. In retrospect, it doesn't feel surprising to me that later I would struggle for years to get pregnant. For over three years, my husband and I did all all the doctor approved things to treat the condition that was making it hard for me to conceive. I was getting desperate, and my husband and I were starting to talk about adoption. I decided to quit my high-stress agency job and adjusted my life drastically, but still, I didn't get pregnant. I would vacillate between despair and immersing myself in work and starting my own private practice just to keep myself busy. But the turning point came when I was at a conference for EMDR therapists. The presenter of the seminar that I was in asked us all to participate in an experiential activity. He had us close our eyes and imagine a serene setting where all the different parts of ourselves could meet. He asked us to lovingly send out an invitation to the many parts of us to come and meet in this place. And then we were to sit in silence and wait to see who arrived. I will admit that I was a little skeptical that anyone would arrive, but I'm a sucker for a group activity, so I decided to try my best. Surprisingly, it took no time at all. A small version of myself, about four years old, showed up in my mind's eye. She had the big brown eyes and curly blonde hair of all my childhood pictures, and she shyly told me that her name was Luli, which was my mother's pet name for me when I was that age. I was even more surprised to feel a huge wave of emotion that I recognized as a mixture of love and sorrow. But there was no time to process any of that before a very old woman showed up in my mind. She was utterly silent, but smiled directly into my eyes before sitting down next to the little girl. At this point, I felt amused and confused. Far away, I could hear the presenter's voice telling us to check and see Was there another part of us that wanted to come forward? I remembered suddenly feeling nervous when he said this, as if my body knew that the next one would not be as comfortable as the first two. In my mind's eye, I looked around, and from far away, I saw a girl walk towards me. She looked to be in her early 20s, and she was completely naked. She was smeared with mud all over her skin. She walked right up to me, looked straight in my eyes and said, you did this to me. And then this girl began writhing and moving her body in a way that made me feel sick to my stomach. I was sobbing in the middle of a conference with so many people around me. I was sobbing and trembling. 
Luckily, therapists are a great group of people to be with when you have an emotional meltdown slash breakthrough. Everyone was very kind, supplied me with Kleenex, and once I was composed, I quickly shoved this mental image of that naked mud-smeared girl in the far back corner of my brain, and I tried to be professional for the remainder of the conference. But a few days after I got home, I decided to revisit the scene and see if I could make sense of the words, you did this to me. Before asking us to participate in this experience, the presenter had suggested that it can be beneficial to invite clients, or in this case yourself, to have an internal conversation to get to know these other parts of yourself. Okay, I thought, let's see if I can have a chat and get some answers. I was expecting it to be a struggle, but once again, the image was there in a moment, and it was just as vivid as before. There she was, naked, mud-smeared, and still writhing. I felt anxious and nauseous as I watched her. I scrambled to think of a meaningful question, and all I could think of to ask was, what is your name? Without hesitation, she said, Eve. Of course, I thought. Of course you're Eve. Look at you, writhing around like a snake. And suddenly I realized I was angry. Angry and disgusted and sickened and repulsed. I heard myself saying in my mind, stop it. Stop moving like that. Why are you doing that? But she didn't stop. And she also didn't answer me. I felt the anger and the disgust rise and fall in my body until a new feeling emerged. It was desperation. Please stop. I felt like I was begging. Why? Why should I stop? She asked. As I watched her, I saw pleasure in her eyes and it turned my stomach. I couldn't think of an answer to her question and I just knew that she needed to stop because it was making me panic. But that wasn't a real answer. I knew I wouldn't accept it from a client and I couldn't accept it from myself. There was something so important happening here and I just couldn't quite see it yet. She continued to writhe and I continued to watch until my panic settled. And I remembered the question that I meant to ask. What did you mean when you said that I did this to you? Now she stopped. She gestured to her mud-smeared body and said this. You tried to cover me. You have tried to shame me. But you need me. You need me now more than ever. I started to tremble deep in my core. Why do I need you? She said, Who do you think knows how to create life in you? Who do you think has enough fire in her belly to do what you want your body to do? Look at the other two. They can't give you what you want. Only I can. But you hate me. You hate me because they told you to. You hate me because you believed them when they said that your sexuality was disgusting and your body was dangerous. You look at me and that is what you see. You look at me and you think I am writhing. I am not writhing. I am dancing. I have always been dancing. I opened my eyes. And I wasn't crying anymore, but I was still trembling. I felt like her words were echoing through the cells of my body. The vibration of those words was knocking something loose in my cells. 
such a deep shift. Another rising up of, ener of energy that I didn't know was in me. This was a mirror saying, this is who you really are. Quit pretending that you're less than this. It took several days before I could face myself again in that way, and I thought and prayed and cried and tried to understand what I had in my own heart. And once again, the truth of what had been said was so pure I couldn't talk myself out of it. There was no denying that I had absolutely swallowed the lie that my body and my sexuality were disgusting and dangerous. And now I needed to be in cooperation with my body, but I just didn't know how. I didn't know how to let it do what it needed to do to create life. One morning I was getting ready for work and I was brushing my hair. At the time my hair was short because it made getting ready easy and fast. Secretly though, I had always loved it when my hair was long and just slightly out of control. I wondered to myself why I ever cut it all off. And suddenly I thought of Eve. She was the me that had the long and wild hair. And then I knew what I needed to do. That night I sat on my bed and I closed my eyes and I went to that place in my mind where the three me's were. I walked straight up to Eve and I said, I am sorry. I am so sorry I did this to you. I'm sorry I believed the lies and I'm sorry I've been afraid of you. But most of all, I'm sorry I shamed you. Can we wash this mud off? The place in my mind that I'd created for this meeting was under a giant willow tree next to a river. Women in my age grew up with the Disney cartoon Pocahontas, and the image of Grandmother Willow next to that river has left a lasting impression in me. <laughs> so imagine that. I took Eve's hand and we walked into that river. She could have done it herself, but she let me wash the streaks of hard-caked mud off of her skin. We rinsed her hair. I wiped her face with my fingers. And she stood up out of the water, and her skin was clean and soft, and she took my hands and just said, dance with me. For days after this, I had to grieve. I grieved all the years that I spent hating my body. I grieved the ways that my body had been hurt and violated. And most of all, I faced the truth of what had happened to me and what I had done to myself. And three months later, I was pregnant. I share this in the hopes that for those of you that are therapists, that you'll understand the power of doing this kind of eco-state work with your clients. And for those of you that are clients or on a healing journey yourself, I share it as inspiration of a new and powerful way to come into relationship with yourself and find the healing that you're looking for. Thanks for listening to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. We hope something you've heard today will help you help your clients. Find our latest episode and more on our Facebook page or on our website, emdr-podcast.com. And don't forget to add us to your RSS feed or follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher so that you don't miss an episode. Please email questions and comments to notice that at emdr-podcast.com. From all of us here at Notice That, see you next time.